Good evening, Sportsonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglialoro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. We're recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports Entertainment Radio Network. And, of course, we are rebroadcast and redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for listening to us, no matter how you listen to us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor. We definitely thank you for joining us here tonight. And we got a good show for you. We'll be joined, of course, by Dave Hastings and Eric Tressler in a matter of minutes here. We got a lot to talk about tonight. We have the uh, basketball, the playing games are starting tonight in the, uh, I guess this would technically be the first round of the NBA playoffs in basketball. We have the play-in games. I believe it's the Eastern Conference games that are going tonight. And then the um, the Western Conference goes tomorrow. It should all be wrapped up by the end of the week, which is when uh, the real first round of the playoffs begins after all these play-in games. Uh, I'll pull up the schedule here. We got baseball to talk about. Of course, you know, I, I swear to God, this Mets team is uh, bipolar or whatever you want to call it here, because, you know, last week, talking on the show, everything seemed, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it seemed good, but it definitely seemed like things were on the up and up. And then if you look at the way things have gone this week, you know, I, I looked at the schedule when we got off the air last week, and uh, I didn't realize this when we were on the air, but the Mets were going up against Tampa Bay Rays on the road, going into Tampa, and then they had the Braves in Atlanta right after that. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be a big test for them. And I, I had mentioned on the show last week that McNeil was taken out of that game on Tuesday very early, and he had cramps for the majority of the week. P.S. Yesterday, he was put on the injured list along with Michael Conforto with hamstring strains. And of course, we talked last week about Grom uh, going on the shelf. Doesn't look like it's a long-term thing. Very good possibility he's back by the weekend. But now, you know, the bullpen, of course, kind of blew up a little bit over the weekend because, you know, when you have a bullpen like the Mets have traditionally have for the last few years, of course, the thing you want to do is have an open bullpen game where you, you, you are using multiple options of the bullpen to expose them even more than you should. That's always a good idea, right? So we had a bullpen game on Saturday, I believe it was, that, you know, it looked like it was going all right for a little bit, then the game got out of hand. Sunday got two hit by the Rays, so we got swept by the Rays. Actually won the game against the Braves last night, but of course, in doing so, and Marcus Stroman, who had pitched well all season, got blew up on Sunday, had his worst start of the season. And then yesterday, Taiwan Walker's pitching. He had been pretty good so far this season. He leaves a game with um, tightness in his left side. Don't know how that's going to progress. But, you know, it's one of those things when it rains and pours. So, I mean, the only good news uh, for the Mets thus far is that nobody else in the NL East really seems to be doing much else either in these early goings. You know, you look at the records uh, in the division, and the Yankees are kind of experiencing the similar thing. I mean, they've gotten off to their little struggles uh, throughout the early goings here, and they, you know, they're in fourth place right now, but they're only two two and a half games out of the Red Sox. Nobody's pulling away. Mets are in first place right now with a nineteen and sixteen record. You look 
The Phillies are 21 and 20. They've been hit by some injuries recently, too. The Braves, their pitching staff is basically in shambles. Um, <coughs> Mike Soroka, I believe is his name, um, hasn't pitched at all this season, going to be out a little longer. Max Freed um, left the game last night with an injury. So, you know, a lot of things going on. But with that, we do have Dave Hastings here tonight. Dave, how you doing? Oh, just living the dream, Mike. Just living the dream. How are you? Yeah, I'm about the same. I'm about, yeah. Yeah, no, I hear that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of been killing time for the last few minutes. So of course, I was talking Mets, uh, waiting for you guys to come on here. But we'll come off of that for a little while. All I got to say is, you know, Eric tried to stop me from saying anything good about the Mets last week. And, uh, yeah, he didn't stop me quick enough. Dude, that shot to the head that guy took last night. Oh, we, I didn't even mention that one. Yeah, that was a brutal shot to the head, Keith. Uh, Kevin Pollard. Yeah. I saw him. I saw a picture. I saw him today getting interviewed, man. He looks like some. He looks like he was in a bar brawl and he was the only one that got beat up. Yeah. And I, t I tell you this, you know, we talk about pitching inside old school way of pitching quite a bit here. And Eric always says we don't advocate for head shots. I'll tell you this. Did you see the reaction of the Braves pitcher after he threw that pitch? Um, he looked like he felt horrible, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there's no way that guy threw at him on purpose. He dropped to his knees. He put his hand over his head. He looked mortified. Absolutely. Well, I mean, mortified. a shot like that, just a couple inches left or right, could kill somebody. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That well, I mean, that, that, that looked like. Uh, that, that was a moment where you realize guys that play baseball, they're not as soft as some people might think. No, they're not. The fact that he was able to uh, get up, um, I can't remember if he walked off under his own power or not, but I know he was tweeting a few hours later that he was okay. So um, that was good to see. And I'll, <coughs> I'll tell you this, um, you know, earlier in the season, I had mentioned the depth that the Mets had acquired this off season. And it's, is really going to be put to the test now because, you know, you look at their lineup, you got half of their starting lineup from opening day on the injured list. J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto, Jeff McNeil, and um, Brandon Nimmo, all gone for at least another week. Luis Guillerme, who was their top infield backup, he's on the injured list. Pilar, probably going to be out for at least, I would say, at least three to four days if you're lucky. Alberto Almora. He went down last week. He was the one Eric had sent the video of the guy uh, running full speed in the wall to make the catch, and the ball came out. He's on the injured list as a result of that play. I do feel the need to point out we did still win that game because I know Eric did not say send that in a positive fashion. But, um, yeah, all these injuries are really starting to pile up now. And I, you can't complain because the Yankees go through the same thing every year. It's just – I want to say this will be one of the things in terms of the difference between a Wilpon run organization and a Steve Cohen organization, just to see the quality of the depth that comes in. Cause we've seen a lot of times guys like, and you won't remember these names, but guys like Eric Campbell and John Mayberry jr. Hitting in a cleanup spot in 2015 before they went out and actually added some people and made that run to the world series. I'm really hoping we're, not even close to that point, but yeah, it's not good. But anyway, I know you don't want to talk about that, so let's move. Well, really, really oh, quick, oh, uh, go ahead. Uh, with the Mets, didn't, didn't they make a couple acquisitions today, like a trade or two? 
Oh, if they did, I wasn't paying attention. I'm going to be honest. Now, it hasn't been a great day for me, but let's see here. Um. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. Let's see if anything else happened here. Oh, that's not good. Our, one of our top prospects underwent shoulder surgery. That ain't good. Um, Giancarlo Stanton's on the DL, 10-day DL. Uh, the one I see here, the Yankees, uh, excuse me, the Mets actually acquired Cameron Mabin, who was on the Yankees a few years ago, did pretty well for them, actually. Uh, looks like for cash, Cameron Mabin, not a great player. He's kind of settled into a backup role. He was very highly touted as a prospect about 10 years ago. He went to the, um, Oh, I know I'm getting this wrong. I think he was with the Tigers originally and went to the Marlins in the Miguel Cabrera trade long, long time ago. And he never really hit his stride as a prospect. The best he ever did for an extended period, honestly, was with the Yankees. I think it was either 2017 or 2018. He was on that team. The, um, I don't think it was 2017. I think it was 2018 or 2019. One of those years where the Yankees got hit with a ton of injuries and even stepped in and really did a good job for them. Um, so that actually is a good move for them. Um, and, well, uh, they, Mike, they the biggest up, thing I've oh, seen people saying is that what they like is that the Mets, instead of trading young prospects for yes. a quick, uh, quick fix, they're doing the cash consideration instead of, you know, sacrificing some of the young prospects that they really like. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up to you. It was just, the yeah. kind of, I mean, you know me, dude. I don't know enough about baseball to even understand. How well, I'm glad I'm a player for cash instead of giving yeah, up yeah. anything else. So, like, mm -hmm. is that is that something that makes you happy as a fan to see that they're not sacrificing prospects for that long-term fill instead of, you know, going that route? I mean – Oh, I lost your mic. I still don't have your mic. I now you got me. Now you got me. Now All I right. got you. All right. Yeah. Um, well, to answer your question, I don't know how much more of that you had said, but does it make me happy? I mean, yeah, it makes me happy. I mean, at this this early juncture in the season, you don't see a lot of big trades to begin with. I mean, you, you may not know a lot about baseball, but you know a lot about other sports and you know, like we're like a month and a half into the season. So this isn't really the time where you're going to see the teams that have no shot at the playoffs, giving up the marquee guys for the Mets to give up the big prospects to, I think what worried a lot of people was Brody Van Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen is the guy who basically tore up the entire farm system Jared Kellenick in the uh, Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz trade is the, the prime example of that. He gave up a couple other guys who have gone on to be solid relievers. I think he gave up a guy, uh, Blake Taylor, uh, left-handed pitching prospect who the Mets got in the Ike Davis deal about seven, eight years ago. They traded him to the Astros before last season for Jake Marisnik, a Decent glove outfielder, but not really anything with the bat who did nothing for the Mets last season. They gave up Taylor, and he played a big part in their bullpen last season. We've given up a few other prospects. Like You remember at the deadline last year, I was telling you, uh, Miguel Castro, the, the relief pitcher who had the 4.5 ERA. I don't know if you remember this. You still there? Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Yes, it okay. does sound familiar, but I can't say I, I would be able to give details. 
Okay, but no, I mentioned this. Mikel Castro has actually done well this year, but for a middling reliever with a spotty track record, the Mets gave up a top 10 prospect in their organization. Brody had no idea what the hell he was doing with prospects, and that's what scared a lot of Met fans. So the fact that you actually have people in charge who are smart enough to realize, yes, we're dealing with the rash of injuries. No, we don't have the depth in prospects to deplete our farm system even more because the top Mets prospects are all under the age of 21. We don't have very many top prospects who are close to major league ready. Otherwise, we'd be calling on them right now. So, yes, at this point in time, this is not the time to be trading an already thin farm system for a guy who really all you need him to do is bridge the gap right now until your guys hopefully come back from injury. So, yes, I'm very happy they went this this route. And I thank you for bringing this up, actually, because, like I said, I didn't notice that the Mets got Cameron Maben. And I like Maben. I think he'll do pretty good. He fits what we need right now. All right, cool. Yeah, I just – it was something that I thought would be mm-hmm. interesting, you know, get your opinion and what your mm-hmm. thoughts were. Yeah, no, solid move. It's nice, it's nice once again to have people in the front office who know what the fuck they're doing. Anyway. Uh, to move on here, we'll go to basketball, and we got the playing game starting tonight. The playoffs uh, is set. We have the Eastern Conference with their playing games tonight. I believe the Western Conference plays their first batch of playing games tonight. I know it's the seven versus eight seed and the nine versus ten seed. Uh, I want to let you have a a post mortem forum right now. Uh, your Bulls unfortunately did not make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I definitely lost the bet to you and Eric. Um, so oh, I lost two. I lost two. Yeah, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that one. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, when it's all said and done, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I started rooting for the Bulls to lose. Oh, um, okay. I, 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 I didn't realize when they made the trade for uh, Vucevic um, that their pick, uh, first-round pick was top four protected. And once I found that out, it was like, Screw it. Lose. Let's get a lottery pick. Um, you know, they, look, there's some question marks with the team. They got some young, really good, talented players uh, building around Zach Levine and Vucevic. I think, you know, that that's that's going to be what is going to determine how successful they can be in the East. I think those are two, you know, they're not all NBA uh, players, but I do think they're all-star caliber, maybe a touch higher than that, maybe like third team all-NBA at best. Mm. Um, but if you can put pieces around them to really complement what they do, I think you're really looking at, you know, the potential to be a pretty competitive team. Um, and I, I, I think the biggest question mark for them is what are they going to do with Lori marketing? Um, I was a big fan of that draft pick. I thought it was going to be pretty special and it's just, he's the definition of a roller coaster ride NBA player. You just don't <laughs> know what you're going to get from him one night at, into the next. Okay. Um, and you know, when it's all said and done, do you got do you give a guy 10, 15 million dollars to give you half a season worth of good basketball? Like, no, not in my opinion. So, you know, what they do with him is gonna be kind of interesting to see. Um but all in all, I still like uh I still like some of the pieces that they have. I like some of the coaching staff that they have, so yeah, I think I think uh, this offseason will really determine whether they're a playoff team or you know going to end up in the lottery again. Because I think we all we all know next season's back to eighty two games. So should be, should be. 
Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm going to put it to you then. As a Bulls fan who follows the team closer than at the very least anybody I know, what do you want to see them do? Like, what do you like? What would you keep? What would you add to that team? So what bothers me is a lot of people talking about them trying to go after Lonzo Ball. Um, I'm not a fan of that because I really like Kobe White. And I think okay. by going after Lonzo Ball, you're going to uh, really kind of have to you're going to basically force yourself to make a decision on whether or not Kobe White's your future point guard. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm not saying that the guy is, you know, going to be the greatest thing, you know, is the greatest thing since sliced bread when it comes down to the point guard position. But I do also think that he has a lot of potential. And to me, it, it he fits well with Levine. I think you have him. You got Levine. Uh, you got Levine, White, Vucevic. Um, they've got a couple other young players that are good. So to me, I think it, it's getting talent on the wing. Um, but I feel like that's such a, a, a scapegoat answer because let's be honest, there's not an NBA team in this league and you could talk about the big teams and that's the Lakers. Like, you know, you can talk about the best teams in the league and they still would kill to have more talent on the wings. Mm. So, you know, I, I know that feels like a scape, uh, scapegoat type of answer, but that, that to me, they need that and they need three-point shooting. So that, that's, that's what I'd like to see. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about the kids coming out of college this year to sit here and say, oh, I'd love for them to get this guy or get this guy. Um, but I definitely do think they're a team that, you know, they're a couple pieces – they're a piece or two away from being a playoff team and, you know, they're a long way away from being a championship contender. But if we're being honest, until LeBron retires and Durant retires, that's going to stay true for most people in the league. Fair enough. With that, Eric Tressler is here tonight. Eric, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. How you guys doing? We're hanging in. We are hanging in. Um, the theme of the show is living the dream. <laughs> well, we're living something, all right? You know, that's very well. That is very well said, Eric. That is very well said. I'm with you on that. All right. So I'll let Dave have his postmortem for the Bulls right there. Let's go on talking about some NBA playoffs here. As I said, we got the playing game starting tonight. You got uh, in the Eastern Conference right now, the nine versus the 10 seed Indiana Pacers are taking on the Charlotte Hornets. And then later on tonight, you have the Boston Celtics. You're going to crap out of them right now. 55-39. Yeah, I'm just seeing that score. Yeah, all right. The Indiana Pacers are probably going on to the next part of this. Um, so as the nine seed, they would be taking on the loser of the seven and eight game between the Celtics and the Wizards, which is taking place a little later on tonight. And then tomorrow night, you have the nine and ten seed San Antonio Spurs going into Memphis to take on the uh, Grizzlies. I believe the Spurs were the ten seed. Apologize if I got that wrong. And then the big matchup that I think we're all looking forward to tomorrow night Wednesday at 10 o'clock Eastern time, Golden State Warriors, the ninth seed, going into Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. Where are you can guys? I, can I just be honest? Can I, can I be honest here, Mike, for a second? Sure. Uh, l- l- let's all just be honest with ourselves. Three of these games you could just absolutely give two shits about. You could just punt them. They, they don't matter. They, they don't really. You really don't give a shit. Nobody I mean, gives a shit. You, you know, mean, my Dave don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. You, I mean, we're gonna talk about it for the sake of show. I, I for a second, I guess. But none of those, none of those other games ma- are gonna matter in the grand scheme of the playoffs. They're, they're I feel the need to say this. 
I feel the need to say this to your point, Eric. There is a reason why only one of those games was a game that I said we were all looking forward to. So I agree oh, with no, you. No, I that. agree. Yes. I, I agree. So yeah, no, I just saying I don't. I, I think we're all in agreement. Don't yes. spend too much time on the first three because they don't really matter. Like mm. we we can kind of cut to the meat here. Uh, get to, get, you know. Well, I, I, let's go even further. I don't think we need to talk about one of them because apparently the Pacers are just going to win that game. They're up by 15 in the second and quarter. Honestly, honestly, does anybody get like think the Wizards or, or, or Celtics later tonight is really intriguing or, or you really give a shit about? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I don't. I, and maybe that's just me, but neither of those teams if i'm not mistaken boston's coming in beat up they're not they're not 100 percent. they're not i think it's is it brown is it brown or tatum who's out jalen brown jalen brown i believe it is right i think so uh, yeah you yeah they're not title contenders so wizards aren't title contenders that game really don't matter because lou even if one of those teams wins even if they get in you're still getting in, and you're either going to play the Nets or you're going to play uh, the Sixers. And let's face it, neither of these teams are going to beat any of those teams. So yeah. go to tomorrow. And what's that? Uh, early, what's the early game tomorrow? It's, it's not the Laker game. I know that. No, no, no. It's the Spurs, the 10 seed, going into Memphis to take so on the Grizzlies, I mean. even, the 9 even seed. More u- even more useless. And let me tell you why. Because you don't have Zion. Yeah, Zion, he had a story because Zion versus John Morant. Nobody really gives a shit about John Morant versus Greg Popovich. And let's face it, the Spurs aren't a regular Spurs team that you really think of that that is competing for a title this year. Mm. So, to me, I'm, I, that game doesn't matter. Memphis isn't going anywhere either. They're not going to beat any of those top seeds in the West. Um the, those are the guys we're here to see. I mean, and and then that really the game tomorrow night because we can all look at it and say, you know, LeBron and Steph. That that's the show everybody wants to see. Sure. And I mean, I'm gonna leave it at that. But yeah, that's that's what I feel about those other games. Don't really give a fuck. Well, Dave, I'll I'll let you go first. What what do you want to say in response to that? I mean, what I will say is I, I think John Moran is going to be one of the best players in the league in the next three or four years. But at mm. the same time, no, I don't care about John Morant versus uh, Greg Popovich. If Zion was there, uh, yes, that'd be a lot more entertaining. And the NBA would be thrilled about that. Um, you know, I, I yeah, no, the, the only game I care about in the play in the play ins is, is the Lakers versus Golden State, because if we're being honest, like we said, I, I think we all would agree the Lakers have the better roster, but if Steph Curry gets hot, that Laker team could be in trouble, and it, it would be so funny to have LeBron be a fan of the playing game and then all of a sudden hate it because he has to play in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's amusing as all hell, and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it here. Um, I, 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 I will always respect LeBron James as one of the greatest players I ever stepped on a basketball court. But when my man tweets out just the other day that people are hating on him and then, you know, includes the stat that he's had more consecutive seasons of 25 point averaging 25 points or more a game. Like, I I don't care. Like, it just makes me dislike you more as a basketball player. It just does. Mm -hmm. So I I just I I am pulling hard. I've always loved Steph Curry as well as a player. I just always thought he was so much fun. I think he's horrible for youth basketball. Um, cause all these kids see him play and they're like, Oh, let me chuck it up from half court. Like if I practice Definitely. enough, I can make it like Steph Curry, which that's not a, not a good way to teach kids how to play basketball. 
No, um, it's not a good way to play video that. games. It's not a good way to play the video games. It's not a good way to play real life. And it's not a good way to play video games either. Trust me, I play them enough. It's not that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like I, I just I, I've always loved watching Steph Curry. Draymond Green is probably the closest thing I've ever seen to Dennis Rodman. So I like the only game you want to play like that, honestly, is NBA Jim. Because if you get hot from the three, you're going to keep shooting it. You'll shoot it full court, you know? Yeah. You're on fire. Can I interrupt this? Can I interrupt this real quick? Because I'm really kind of kicking myself right now for not starting off the basketball segment with this. Paul Pierce, first ballot Hall of Famer. Paul Pierce, first ballot Hall of Famer. That's right, guys. I did it. I did it. One man campaign. Paul Pierce is now a first ballot Hall of Famer. I am sorry. I wanted to start off He's the whole thing with that. He's not a Hall of Famer yet, is he? He got it. Yeah. No, they, they voted. They voted. He's in. He's in. They voted You're, before they, they – would they vote at this induction ceremony? I think, really the day, I think it was the day after. I think it was the day after. The day after? What well, kind yeah, of nonsense but, is that? You got to cram two Hall of Fame ceremonies in a very short time. How long did you think they were going to wait? Come on. Stop it. And I will say the one thing about basketball, though, and but I still don't agree about it with Paul Pierce because he didn't do anything in colleges. Basketball is about more more about what you do for the overall sport, less about what you do for the actual just straight NBA. Um, So I do like that, I guess, about basketball that, you know, they do take into consideration your college career, other things. I mean, otherwise, you know, I, I don't know. I think they do it a little bit, you know, right in that sense that they take the guys or the person's whole career into account for what they did for the sport. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but Paul Pierce should not have been a first out Hall of Famer. I just, no. I just, I just, I can't. If you told me he got in on his second try, third try, any, anything fine. But first out, I'm sorry, Mike, I, I know you love him. But you've blatantly admitted it's not because of actually his entire career, but him helping you win a fantasy NBA champ- uh, NBA fantasy championship. Like, are, are we we I bashing just, me now? We bashing me now? All no, I no was, I'm just I'm just saying it, your your main go to reason was because of that. That's all. It's not like you sat you sat here when we first brought had this conversation and was like, no, he was consistently one of the greatest players in the league year in and year out. Like. You didn't build a resume for him. You were like, yo, Paul Pierce, first ballot Hall of Famer, helped me win a, win a fantasy NBA championship. Yeah, I got cut off for that whole thing. I got cut off for all of that. All of that. But I heard anyway. it all, Dave, though. Dave, don't worry. I heard it all, and it was poignant. It was great. And, <laughs> and I, hope, I hope later on Mike gets a chance to play it back and our viewers get a chance. I mean, to I th- I'm pretty our, sure. Our listeners I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure I got the gist of it. Listen. I believe he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. I threw the fantasy basketball thing in there because I knew I was running out of statistics that actually made sense for it. I think he belongs in the Hall of Fame. To go to your point, I think it was Eric who said this first about them taking full careers into consideration for the Hall of Fame. It's not just the NBA. It's college. You didn't mention the international stage, though. Clearly fantasy, too. The international stage. I feel the need to say this because I don't know if you guys noticed, Tony Kukoc also got inducted in this year's Hall of Fame class. The Hall of Fame class, it is Pierce, it is Ben Wallace, it is Chris Webber, it is Tony Kukoc, 
and I'm looking to see if there's anybody I left out here. Ben Wallace, another guy. Really good player, really good defender, really good rebounder. Does not belong in the Hall of Fame. Well, I mean, this is like his third or fourth time on the ballot, so he had to Don't wait. Don't care. A while. He should. The, the Maryland had to wait. Well, same thing with Weber. He didn't go in right away. See, I'm cool Weber, with Weber, though. Weber, though. Weber, oh, yeah, Weber, had, Weber had the Fab Five. I'm cool with it. Chris Bosh also went in the Hall of Fame. What do you guys I think about like that. that? I don't agree with that. See, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like you can say what you want about criteria or whatever. These three guys, Ben Wallace, I get. He was defense only. One of the best defensive players of his generation, though. He was the second coming of Dennis Rodman, who is in the Hall of Fame. Not for what, like four years? I mean, come on, what kind of longevity is that? How many Defensive Player of the Year awards did he win, though? That counts. That means something. Look, the only thing I will say about Ben Wallace is he was part of the the last team to win an NBA championship without a true superstar. Mm -hmm. That that is why. And and still, I don't think that means he should be in the Hall of Fame. But it is something about Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rick Hamilton, like those guys, like that I do respect. That was the last team that truly won a championship without a, a legit superstar on their team. And, and I and I think that does I think that kind of helped him and, and you know it maybe was kind of part of what got him in. Well, he he did win four straight Defensive Player of the Year awards, and I'm trying to look it up right now because I'm pretty sure he's only, he's one of like maybe two or three players to win four consecutive Defensive Player of the Year awards. That's something he shares with Dikembe Mutombo, who I don't believe is in the Hall of Fame, actually, now that I think about it. And I would have put Mutombo in there before Wallace, truthfully. So that kills Boom. Him. Make your own case. Listen, I... I'm not totally defending Wallace. I'm just saying when you wait on the ballot for three or four years, you do something like that. I'm okay with you. So getting in your in the opinion, Hall of Fame. does Wallace belong in the Hall of Fame? I mean, no, but I'm okay with it. Okay, but no is the answer. Okay. Yeah. He's not, a Paul, he's not a Paul Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you totally missed Dave's whole point, though. Dave's whole point is you only have Paul Pierce in there. Because he won you a fantasy championship. That's where I chimed in before and said fantasy, too, because fantasy is where you're counting him into your Hall of Fame. Can He's I in just your say Hall this? of Fame. That's why you're putting him in the basketball. Of him. He definitely doesn't belong on the first in on the first ballot. I can tell you that. That's what we're glomming on to because I made a big deal about it. And it's something that I still say was very funny the way that I brought that up. And. All right. Is it part of it? Yeah. You you think that's my only reason for thinking he's a Hall of Famer, though? Boom. Hit me with the stats. I already hit you with the stats. He crapped all over him. You were playing taps the whole time. Because they weren't very good. So if you don't got anything else to back it up, he's still not a Hall of Famer. Dave, chime in here. I, I mean, look, I, Mike, if I remember correctly, the, the stats you threw out, though, were more about where he stood in the rankings of Boston Celtics. And not so much where he stood in the rankings of the NBA itself. If I remember correctly. I think I did a combination of both. I don't think you're wrong on that. But I think I, I, this is what I said. Member of the NBA championship team, he won the finals MVP. Ten-time NBA All-Star, 
all NBA second team in 2009, three times all NBA second third team. team. Oh, and, let's and, go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Before you rattle off a whole bunch of shit that doesn't matter, everybody can read, it, read his Wikipedia. Well, let's go back and break these down because you're telling me second team all NBA. I'm not. What the, what the hell is that? But can I make a point here? Because I'm just noticing something. You said college counts, right? Okay. I so think college he made, is part of it. So yeah. first time all Big 12 team in 98, third team all Big 12 team in 97, two-time Big 12 tournament MVP. He had his number retired by the Kansas Jayhawks. I don't know if he won a championship with them, but does that mean anything? Nah, the, it, it not helped. enough. Now, yeah, it helped when you said the first team, and then you went from first team to third team, and I was like, I don't know. Well, that's all one I, year as a first team guy. That's so all I got I, here. I yeah, yeah. So I mean, two-time Big Twelve or Big Ten Player of the uh, or Tournament Player of the Year or Conference or whatever. I don't know. Not enough for me. Not enough for me. Mm. Well, listen. I stand by everything I've said here. You guys stand no, by. No, but that's why. Let's go back yeah. though. That's what I'm asking. Let's break it down real quick. So hit me with the stats, but just slow, slow them down. Me and Dave can break them down for you. I don't like where this is going to go, but all right, fine. He won the NBA championship 2018 where he won the finals MVP 10 yep, times. That's, that's a big, that's a big plus. Good for him. 10 time NBA all-star. That's uh, solid. Second team three times on the third so, team. Oh, I mean, wait, oh, how many times on the first team? You really need me to say it. Yes. He did not make the first team, but he still made he four. He never made the first team All NBA squad. I mean, never. to be fair, he did play during the time of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade making those teams. Nobody's saying I'm he's just, just saying, good never, at those guys. Never once cracked it, cracked the code. Never once could get in there. Dave, what do you think? Dave? Oh, he dropped out. Give me a sec. Uh, we lost right. him. Well, no, he's back. He's back. He's getting on. But um, while he's waiting to get back on, I where is this here? All right, Dave, are you back? I'm with you. Sorry about that, guys. All right. Eric, say what you said while I try to look this up real quick. I crapped on to... his first stat because his first stat was how many – he was talking about how many second-team All-NBAs uh, Dwayne – or uh, what, what's his name is made? Paul Pierce – and I asked him how many first-team All-NBAs he's made, and the answer was zero. So I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big knock for a guy. Yes, he did win a championship. Yes, he was finals MVP that year. Yes, he was a 10-time All-Star, but never a first-team All-NBAer. That's well, what I mean, because if, like, to me, if you're a first-team All-NBAer, that's them saying you're the best player at your position in the entire league. Maybe not well, an MVP, but you're the best player at your position in the entire league. Well, I want to point something out here. And yeah, I just came back. I got cut off. The first team that year, <clears throat> Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Dirk Nowitzki, and, and Dwight Howard. You know who made the second team with Paul Pierce? Tim Duncan. Does anybody okay. think that does anybody think that Dwight Howard is better than Tim Duncan for oh, a career? No, but I will say Tim Duncan has numerous first team All NBAs. Yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying for that particular year he didn't get it. All right, that's uh, one I'll give year. You, so he, he didn't get it. Uh, he he fell second to LeBron. Cool. Yeah, but still, 
He has zero. That I look when it's all said and done, I will not deny the fact that the man deserved to get into the Hall of Fame. He just wasn't a first ballot. So, like, I mean, we could talk in circles about this, but I, I know we got plenty of other things to cover, and I know we all have long days, so I can't imagine we want to do this for two hours. Yeah, so, that's that's fair. That's I, fair. I mean, we, if we you don't... guys have final thoughts on it, by all means, but that's my final thought. I no, I'm not. I'm, hall, I'm just not a first ballot. Dave, we beat this thing to death. We can't tell Mike enough. The guy doesn't belong in the first ballot Hall of Famer. But does he deserve to be in somewhere down the line? Sure. Just not the first ballot. And With all that, I – and I, all I say is I will take sing, single and sole credit for getting Paul Pierce into the Hall of Fame. Paul Pierce, if you're listening, and I know you are, you're welcome. Anyway, so to go there back go. to the, yes, to go back to the playoffs here, and I apologize for derailing the whole show by going in this tangent. I kind of thought it would be a funny thing. There we go, and I kept getting oh, Mike, cut no, off, so nobody, I apologize. Mike, nobody's upset with you, my man. All it's right. Good. We're cool Good. with it. Just, I just all of a sudden I realized we're like ten minutes in on this one. I'm like, all right, yeah, on. yeah. Um, so to go back to the NBA playoffs here, and to go back to something Eric originally said about how you look at these playing games, and none of us really give a damn about them. I mean, outside of the Warriors Lakers series, it really seems like all these teams are fighting to be bounced in the first round. Because I think we all agree the Lakers and the Warriors are really the only ones that have a chance of moving out of the first one. And we talked we all about cared so little about these other games and how shitty they were that we actually spent 10 minutes talking about Paul Pierce in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. And I will say to come back to something that we were talking about last week, I get that it's a business and it's about money and everything. This is the problem with 16 teams making the playoffs and you can make as many tournaments and you can twist it around as many different ways as you want. As long as you have this many teams making the playoffs, the playoffs as a whole will never feel as special as they should until you get in the later rounds. And I like my playoffs though, Batman, to I'm feel gonna, I'm special. I'm going to blow your mind right here. I'm going to blow your mind right here. You say that, but what if, what if, I mean, you do have a LeBron and you do have a Steph Curry playing in these playing games. It's one game, though. It is not. Out of the realm of possibility, though, that last year's champs or a previous three out of four year champ in the last, you know, six years could make a run in these playoffs, regardless of who they face in the West. Because the Suns, yes, are going to be tough. Yes, Utah is going to be tough. You know, the uh, I'm sure the Nuggets are going to be tough. There, there are tough teams in the West. There's nobody out there that is telling you the Lakers can't make another finals. There's nobody out there that's going to tell you Steph Curry can't make a run and make it to the finals. So there's a chance that these two teams could even play again later. And no. like the, in the conference, right? No, no, no. It, no, no it's no. one and done. You win. Yeah. Oh, no, that's right. you no, no, well, not tonight. Oh, wait a minute. No, actually, Eric's right. It's not one Eric, and done. Yeah, no, Eric's not one and done. Eric's right. I mean. Eric's right, because the 7 and 8 seed, the loser of that game, will take on the winner of the 9-10 game. Eric is actually right on that. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that. I thought it was just one and done between these. No, they can both get in, and how dangerous is that when they're both in at the 7 and 8? There is yeah. a chance that you could get the 7 and 8 seed coming out of the West. Yeah. So... Well, let me ask you a question then, because at the end of the day, you're talking about 25% of these playing game teams. Is that enough to make this whole thing feel special? Because to me, it doesn't. 
it does if one of them makes a run. If not, or if they both make a run. If that, if not, then yeah, nobody's gonna give a shit about it. But either way, maybe it just cares about money, 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 money. I mean, I'm gonna throw it to Dave here. Dave, go ahead. Well, I mean, Eric's spot on. That's really all they care mm-hmm. about. But that that would be that would be one hell of a story. You have them play each other in the play playing game, and then all of a sudden, your Western Conference Finals matchup. And that's the funny part. If that happens, then the NBA is patting themselves on the back about how smart they were to do this. And if it doesn't work out, what do they care? Mm. Yeah. And I will say this. I think my whole thing and why I don't, like the Lakers and the Warriors, it's not enough to make me feel like it's special is because to me, it's kind of a fluky thing that the Lakers finished this low. I mean, they got hit with the injuries to LeBron and Anthony Davis late in the season. The Mavericks and the Trailblazers went on their runs. I mean, shoot, you know, some things drop, and they all finish with the same record. So if the Lakers win one more of those games, it's either Dallas or Portland in that seven seed. And Golden State, I mean, if they had Clay Thompson this season, I don't think anybody thinks they'd be this low. So to me, it's a fluky thing that I don't, I don't think it would be the norm if this were to continue year in and year out, where you got teams like that in those games. But anyway, that I would agree with. All right. Does anybody have any? Well, let's go to this, actually. All right. So we talked about the play in games, but let's talk about the teams and the series that are actually set here. So the other matchups and I believe the actual playoffs start on Friday or Saturday. You have the three seeded Bucks taking on the six seed Miami Heat. You have the three seed Denver Nuggets taking on the six seed Portland Trailblazers, the four seed Clippers taking on the Dallas Mavericks, and yes, the four-seed New York Knicks taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Eric, you want to start off? Oh, did I get cut off again? I'm really no, no, getting... we, oh, okay. I got it, Mike. All right. Uh, while, while we get Eric back... Um, yeah, go ahead. I will say that uh, what the Knicks were able to do, and not only do, but like finish strong. Uh, Thibodeau had him playing all, you know, all the way to the last buzzer of the last game. Um, you know, for such a young team that really builds confidence, that that's, that's the kind of thing you want to see. And there's no reason to think they can't win that first-round matchup. No, not at all. Uh, I Listen, I think it'll be a, a very solid matchup. I'm very surprised to see the Hawks get up there that quickly. I mean, you look at it, it's a young team. And, you know, I wanted to do the work on this one, but uh, I didn't get a chance to. You got two teams that missed the bubble last year. Now they're the four and five seed. And I think Dallas also missed the bubble last week. Dave, tell me if I'm wrong on that, because I'm pretty sure I'm right. But you, you, there's about three or four teams missed the bubble last year that now they got playoff spots and all this stuff. And I got to tell you, if you remember back to when the season was started and we talked about the quick turnaround between the end of the last season and the start of this season, my issue was developing the team chemistry among those teams that hadn't played for so long and now you're throwing them back in. Well, you can you can throw that shit away, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, you had a team like the Knicks, but it also does work because, I mean, Chicago really kind of started slow. Um, they didn't play last year. So, I mean, it did, it kind of worked both ways. I don't think you just throw it out, but you do accept the fact that what holds true for some doesn't hold true for all. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's very true on that. Um, so to look at these other matchups here, and I'm trying not to go onto the other screen because I know the second I do, Eric's going to come back in. Um, any other matchups you're looking forward to? Uh, that Clippers Mavericks series should be pretty good. What I thought was more interesting is the people talking about the Clippers losing their last two games at the end of the year so that they could, quote-unquote, avoid the Lakers. Oh, no kidding. That's that. That's the shit I've been hearing people talk about. I mean, I think that's uh, amusing. Hello, gentlemen. What'd you say? I said, hello, gentlemen. My apologies. Oh, I thought you, I thought you hiccuped into the mic or something. <laughs> no, I had a quick emergency call. I had to take. Um, we're good to go hope, now. So I apologize hope, about that. Nah, I hope everything's okay. Yeah, yeah, um, everything's good. So I just, uh, yeah, we're good. Now, I want to throw it back to Eric so we could talk about the Knicks a little bit. But in response to what you said, okay, so the Clippers lost their last two games, and the rumor is that they lost them to avoid the Lakers. The problem with that is if they had won those two games and they get the three seed, they wouldn't have been playing the Lakers. They would have had the Trailblazers in the first round. Yeah, I, I think it's for the second round. The way the way it would unfold that the Lakers uh, won the play. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah, that's that tracks. what it was. They're trying that to tracks. get an easier path to the finals, basically. Mm. Mm. Fair it's enough. believable. <laughs> it is believable. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that'll be interesting there. Um, and instead, if they beat the Mavericks, they'd have to play the Jazz and the or the winner of these playing games. Yeah, no, the lose the winner of the second playing game, actually. All right, let's get off this because I'm gonna I'm gonna have a brain fart. Eric Nicks clinched four seed playing the Atlanta Hawks starting Saturday. Thoughts? I thought they can win that series three and against the Hawks this year. I think that this is unbelievable, and I don't know how Thibodeau is coach of the year. Nick's getting a first-round home series in the playoffs, unheard of. And anything that the Knicks do uh, from here is just gravy. They could win no games, and it's still okay. This is way – I mean, they finished 10 games above 500. Yeah. 10 games. 10 games above 500. That's just insane to me. So whatever happens – this year the Knicks, I'm happy with. I think they have a real chance against the Hawks, though. They're actually the underdog against the Hawks betting-wise. I think it is a great bet to take the Knicks in the series and take the Knicks against the spread. They've been great against the spread all year, too, from what I hear. So um, if, if you're into any betting, that, that might be something you're looking at. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like the Knicks in the first round. Again, I don't see them as a uh, championship team whatsoever or a team that's even going to threaten for one, but do I think they can beat the Hawks? Yeah, I do. So um, that, that's where I'm at. I go, go next. Mm. Yeah, to look at the Hawks roster, because I'm I'm not 100% familiar with the Hawks roster. I, I was a fan of John Collins back in the day. I don't remember if he's back from his injuries, because I believe he was hurt at one point. Lou Williams, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, uh, Danilo Gallinari is still kicking. And Dave, your former boy, Chris Dunn there. It's not a bad team. Not a bad team. And Clint I mean, Capella. Trey, Young's, Trey Young's a special talent. I really yeah. like that kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be an interesting series. And then the winner of that will take on the winner of the one and eight matchups. So you got to think it's the Sixers 
because I don't think any of these playing game winners should beat the Sixers in a first round series. If the Knicks get past the Hawks, there is a shot they could knock the Sixers off. I'd feel better. I'm if it not was going the- that far. I, I'd be happy if they took a game from the Sixers, honestly. I mean, admittedly, Sixers are, Sixers are more talented. I'm not going to sit here and tell you otherwise. Mm. Admittedly, I think I'd feel a little more confident about it if they were playing the Bucks because the Bucks, I love um, Giannis and everything. Until they prove differently, they're choke artists. You got to call them that. So I'd feel more confident there. Sixers, I don't know. They got a monkey on their back, too. They got to get it off. So we'll see. Dave, what do you say? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think – sorry. Uh, um, it's too nice out to have my door closed, so I apologize for the out, outside noise. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't think the uh, Knicks get past round two, but I definitely think the Knicks can beat the, uh, the Hawks. Um, they've looked good against the Hawks all year long. Uh, Eric, I think you said it, uh, 3-0 and against them this year. So, um, they're definitely feeling good when they play them. Uh, Randall, I think, in the three, from what I, I heard some stats this morning, I think it was Randall um, this year in the three games is ad- averaging like 37, 12, and 6, I want to say, against the Hawks. And Trey Young was averaging like 24 with six assists or so. But he uh, or seven assists, but he was only shooting uh, 26 percent, I think, from three against the Knicks this season. So it, it is interesting. And the Knicks do seem to be playing pretty good defense against um, against Trey Young as well. But some stats to go for Randall as well. So he, he's owned the Hawks this year. Hmm. I, I think the main thing that the Knicks have that give them not only hope in the first round, but even after you get out of the first round is that they play defense. And, yeah. you know, you know you're always going to get a good defensive effort out of a Tom Thibodeau coach team. So, all you need is uh, to force a couple missed shots, and all of a sudden a team like the Sixers start getting a little nervous, losing games to a team they should be able to beat, and you're having a different conversation. So, I won't count them out. I mean, that's why they play the games. But, yeah, I think the Knicks can definitely take the first round. I mean, and like Eric, I think like Eric said, if you're a Knicks fan, you don't even care. Like you care, but you don't actually care. <laughs> you fin- like you finish ten games above five hundred, you get a home court uh, advantage in the first round. I mean, like what? As a Knicks fan, you didn't expect any of this shit. You were hoping maybe you pull off an eight seed and just get swept by whoever you played. In the and first on top round. of that. And on top of that, everything you hear is about how all these players are now talking about how the Knicks are turned around and they want to come play here. Nobody wanted to play here while they were in the shitter. And now that all of a sudden they're, they're looking better, now all of a sudden you're here. And I don't know if you guys have heard the same, but I've been hearing from listening and watching and reading all, everything I've read that there are people starting to talk. It could bring interest. It could be like you guys like or like, you know, Mike has pointed out in the past with the Nets and what the Nets did. They built a team. They built a type of culture that attracted stars, and maybe that's what the Knicks are starting to do. Um, I do think that Randall needs to be a piece of that going forward. He seems to be a leader in that locker room, but they, they, it looks like they'll have the ability to bring pieces in around him because it seems like people like what Randall's been able to do this season and think that, hey, I can actually go and play with that guy. See, here's the question, though. All right, you talked about what the Nets did. 
We talked about the way the Nets built their team. They built it the right way with the young talent and everything. Didn't really go overboard on the free agent expenditures. Built their team up over the course of the years. They add Durant and Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan last year with the free agency. Okay, fine. Then they make the big move where you basically destroy that young nucleus. Excuse me. For Harden. Yeah, all right. They got a shot to, you know, go far, maybe even win the championship this year. And we talked about, like, it's a legit championship and everything like that. Is that where you want to see the Knicks go, though? Is that really all there is? No, but again, I don't think you have to blow it up. I hope you're right on that. Dave, what do you say? No, I don't. Oh, I don't think you have to blow it up. I think what you have to do is really just build on that young talent and bring in a piece or two. They're, they're going to be free agents. They're going to be people out there. You don't got to go in and trade away the house to bring in talent. Now you, you can build RJ Barrett showing you he's a solid piece. Everything quickly showing you is showing you. He can, he can be a real player in this league as well. Um, I, I, Rose has caught a second wind, a second life, you know, who knows how long that lasts, but you know, they have some pieces. You don't have to go out and, and, and acquire LeBron James and trade away the whole team for him or, or even a Kevin Durant or anybody else. I think this is a, now a destination for free agents to look at. And the Knicks, believe it or not, have money to spend. I mean, sure they do, but I feel like, and you're right, I don't think they need to add those type of players. But that's that's what it always seems like the end game is, though. You know what I mean? Whereas, no, but yeah, I feel like you can – I feel like you can add pieces, but like without losing too much, you just don't want to lose that nucleus of young players that you have. You don't want to lose quickly. You don't want to lose, like I said, uh, Barrett or Mitchell Robinson or probably even Toppin yet because you don't know what he's going to be. Like You don't want to lose some of these guys just yet. You, you know, you want to, you know, build around them. So I, I don't think it's about trading them away. I think they've done right by they've had some good high draft picks. I mean, RJ Barrett was a third overall pick. I mean, what are you going to yeah. trade him away for? I don't think you're you're trading him away. So I, I don't know. I I mean, listen, I, I, don't I, think, I don't think they need to do that. I mean, I agree with you. I'm just saying my fear is that that's where it always seems like the end game is. I agree with you. I don't feel like they need to do that. Dave, what do you say? No, and that's the thing. I mean... You know, it, obviously it would take some time to look into who the potential free agents are for this year, but there's no reason to sit there and say to yourself, like, well, hey, if we don't trade for this guy, we're never going to get a guy like him. I, I, the, I mean, you've literally watched R.J. Barrett over the last year and a half or this season. Like, that kid's got potential. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, one of the greatest to ever play, but, man, does he have a chance to – put himself in the 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 nick lore Mm -hmm. for lack of a better phrase and that's that's a respectful place to be yeah well i mean the one like eric i know you said you heard rumblings that people want to come to new york the name that i've heard because i haven't heard that many names lonzo ball restricted free agent this season so you know anybody who goes after him is going to have to give him a boatload of money you bring a guy like don't want, don't want him. Okay, I'm kind of no. I kind again, of agree with you on that. It seems like Nilakina is progressing a little bit from where he seemed to be regressing. He seems to be progressing actually now a little bit. He's playing, in my opinion, better than I think even Peyton's playing right now or, or some of the other guys. 
Um, quickly is a guy I think you, you don't need to go out and make that move and bring in Lonzo Ball. You have young talent already there that's under control that you're already paying money to. Like, wh- why do you need to go out and pay Lonzo Ball a boatload of money to come in and be average for you? I'll be honest. Lonzo Ball hasn't blown me away in his career, and he's not the missing piece to put around Randall to win you a championship. So with all that being said, I, I hope anybody else finds interest in Lonzo Ball and feels free to, to back the truck with money up because I do not want him in the Nick uniform. I don't want his father around. I don't want any of him. You want to give me a ball, you give me a little mellow ball. Outside of that, I don't want a ball. Yeah, I mean, Mike, I, how much did Eric just sound like me when I was talking about the Bulls earlier? Yeah, no, it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. My one follow up because I agree with Eric. I feel like quickly he's got the shot to be your point guard of the future here. Bringing in a guy like Ball not only says you don't have the confidence in quickly just yet, but you pay that much money to a guy, you know he's going to take minutes away from him and hurt his development. So that's why I wouldn't want Ball. I would want an older, uh, I, you know, bring Derrick Rose back for another year to help him mentor the kids. It seems like whatever he's been doing has been working. So that that's the route I would go on that one. But anyway, here, wrap this whole thing up. Do you guys have any other final thoughts? Hey, Thibodeau better get coach of the year or even I'm going to throw a ride. I saw something on ESPN that apparently the players voted um, Monty Williams top coach this season, the, the Suns head coach. I don't understand that. Listen, the Suns had a great year, and, I, yeah, Chris Paul did a lot for them, but he, you had the same Nick team as you did last year. They didn't add a Chris Paul. They didn't add anybody. <laughs> and, and they're ten times better this year than they were last year. They're ten games over five hundred and hosting a playoff spot. I'm sorry. I know what the Suns is doing is good, but the Suns have it from the town. We all know about it. We know about Booker. We know about some of the young talent they had. Um, everybody looked at the Knicks talent as trash. And the Knicks took that trash and turned it into a playoff team that's hosting this year. That's impressive. That's yeah. why Thibodeau deserves it. And I agree with you. And for the record, it wasn't the players. It was the NBA's uh, Coaches Association Coach of the Year. Well, they're Coach, a bunch of ass- dumbasses. There you go. Dave, what do you say? I'll back up everything Eric just said. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I agree. The job Thibodeau's done, I mean, you can't say enough about it, especially you look at how things went with the Timberwolves, and you always kind of wondered if he would have the same effect on young players that he did with the Bulls all those years ago. And he comes to the Knicks, and not only does he have an effect, Eric, I'm kind of echoing what you said here. He has the effect to a point – where a team that barely won 20 games the last, like, two seasons, 41 and 31, fourth seed in the playoffs, is hosting a home series. It's ridiculous. Great ridiculous, but still. All right. Where would you guys like to go next here? I know there's not really been that much football going on this week. So, Eric, we kind of already talked some Mets before you came on here. Where would you guys like to go next? Oh, did I get cut off again? Really? No, no, no. I All was right. just I was thinking about where we wanted to go oh. next. I, I didn't All right. know. No, I've been cut off like five times tonight. So I'm just like I'm just, no, no. I mean, I definitely don't want to talk about the Giants signing Calvin Benjamin because that's just a <laughs> joke. That's a laughing stock. It's, it's such an embarrassment that Gettleman's still a GM in this league. And I, honestly, he's gonna sink Judge. That's a, that's gonna be Judge's biggest sinking ship is because if they get a new GM, everybody knows a new GM's gonna eventually want to bring in their own coach. 
And unfortunately, Judge is going to be that, that uh, you know, sacrificed because of it. And he may be a good coach and a good coach down the line, but he right now is just, I mean, Gettleman is the worst, the absolute worst. And, you know, I know Fife could say, like, you know, he put on a ton of, mu- or, you know, or Smorrows can tell us he, he's put on a lot of muscle and he's bulked up and he could play that tight end role. But I, I got to be honest, I, I see an embarrassment coming our way here with, with Calvin Benjamin. So I, I don't see it. Plus what good are bringing in weapons if you're not going to protect anybody, you know, if you can't get the ball anywhere and Barkley's getting tackled three yards in the backfield, what good does it do anybody to have more weapons? The weapons aren't helping you block. If the weapons aren't blockers, then they're not really weapons at this point. It does taking up spots on the bench. It does seem like overkill to overcompensate for the fact that you had no weapons last year and you are really banking on a lot of development from a lot of young guys who really didn't show they a lot of progress the last year. I'm sorry to cut you off, but they are taking yeah. the page from the Packers playbook. Aaron Rodgers says, give me weapons. And they give him everything but weapons. Daniel Jones says, give me protection. And they literally give that man everything but protection. Like, <laughs> I don't understand it. Dave, you got anything you want to throw in? Uh, again, that's what it all boils down to. You could have, you could literally take a Pro Bowl roster of skill position players and then give that Pro Bowl roster of skill position players the Giants offensive line and Daniel Jones, and that team's still going to probably end up 500. When it's yeah. all said and done, and I have – we have all agreed on this for years now. <laughs> the way to build your team is inside out. If yeah. you cannot win the line of scrimmage, you cannot win football games. It's that freaking obvious. So, the Gi- like you said, Mike, the Giants are banking on the development of a lot of young offensive linemen. And the development of Daniel Jones and his ability to scramble to buy time and make plays. And will that happen from time to time? Maybe win them a game or two? Sure, probably will. But on a consistent basis, and more importantly, when you get to the playoffs, yeah, that's not what's going to win you your games. You have to win the line of scrimmage. Hmm. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl this year. Missing their starting tackles, both of them. Patrick Mahomes is scrambling all over the place. He looked amazing. Couldn't complete a pass, though. He ran like 400 yards. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can run however much you want. If you can't block anything, you're not helping your quarterback. So, yeah. Yeah, I I think I, I... I get why people like Schmel Rose and other Giant fans love the big-name signings and the names that they recognize. I get that. I understand that. But Eric is thinking big picture, not, oh, my team is going to end up on the Sports Center top ten plays of the, of the week every week. Because that's not going to win you a, 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 a division, a playoff game, a, a, a Super Bowl. Mm. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could look back to the day – like, how many times did Tom Brady actually probably get his self on Center top ten? It's a good point. He didn't care about that. That was never his goal. 
No, and they always made sure he had a solid offensive line. And the years they didn't win Super Bowls or make the Super Bowl, guess what one of their weakest parts were? Not mm-hmm. their t- – they, they had some of the least known fucking skill position player names in the NFL. But they always protected Brady. And Brady turned guys like Wes Welker and Danny Amendola and um, – Edelman. Oh, my God. He just retired. Edelman. Edelman, thank you. Julian Edelman. All three of those guys were either sixth or seventh round picks or undrafted players that started as special teams players. And they got them to the, each one of them to a point where they're considered, well, not Danny Amendola, but Wes Welker and Edelman, where they are actually considered potential Hall of Fame players. Yeah. I throw Troy Brown in. I know it's an old name, but wasn't he? Wasn't he one of Tom Brady's first like receivers? That he really, he again, not a big name guy, but just. Am I right about that? Yeah. yeah. Didn't he win? Um. Didn't he win a Super Bowl MVP? Was that him or was that somebody else? I'm thinking of. It was him. He played offense and defense. And yeah. defense. Yeah. He was, shout special. Out to he was good. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to cousin David. Just put it in the chat. And he played corner. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was one, of, and again, like I, I echo everything you guys are saying right there. Because again, Brady didn't have to do with flashy people. I mean, yeah, he had Randy Moss for a year. Guess what? They went they went a big eighteen and one. So I mean, you know, that happens sometimes when you have the big name. You know, it's it's about winning the championship, and he won a lot of championships with the guys that, with a lot of guys that you know he kind of made famous by throwing the ball. Otherwise, you wouldn't have known about him. Um, you know. So, it's I, just they, they they weren't high draft picks. They weren't studs. He, it was about 100% outside in protecting within, playing solid defense, and that's what wins championships. That's what builds dynasties. That's what every team really should and would want to do. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot off of this here because you brought up something that reminded me of something I saw last week. Did you see uh, the clip? I can't remember who was interviewing Brady. But it was a guy, I guess he was a Giants fan, and he said something to the effect of, you know, I always hated you for a while, but now I'm at the point I respect you. And he said, why did you hate me? And he said, because I'm a Giant fan. And Brady started going, why do you guys hate me? You guys should love me. You're the only team I never beat. Yeah, and no, I, thought- I agree. I agree. I mean, I my, my hate for Brady is just more, I guess, a dislike for Boston sports in general just because they sure. tend to be rivals of New York. Um, same way in Philly, you know, with Philly teams as well. It's just kind of a disdain for them more than it is mm-hmm. a. And it was just listen, every it's lonely at the top, and mm. that's the hard thing. Is Brady looks at it as like, yeah, he got a lot of hate, but he got a lot of hate because he was he was winning every year, and mm-hmm. everybody else wants to win, and they, you know, it's yeah. it's competitive, it's cutthroat, and you know, well, he, the thing he wants it. The thing about Brady is, you know, he gets it because he always winds up putting out the video, putting out the videos like the one after they got back to the Super Bowl with him and Gronk to bad boy for life. Like they did uh, the last time they, they went to a Super Bowl with the Patriots. It was basically the same thing. You know, he gets that. But I'll tell you this. You think anybody is rooting for the Giants to make the playoffs harder than Tom Brady? I heard somebody on the radio say that this week. And it's so true because, you know, the only thing he's never done is beaten the Giants. He wants to face the Giants in the playoffs so badly. And because if he could beat the Giants, I guarantee he would retire that offseason. Yeah, I could see that. 
What do you say, Eric? But the problem, the problem is, the Giants aren't going to be a playoff team. Well, your I, biggest I don't have, for the for the foreseeable future until something changes. And right. right now, I'm not seeing very many changes coming from Gettleman. Well, so... you might be right, but I'd say your biggest supporter right now is Tom Brady. All right. With I that, mean, look, actually, oh, Mike, really quick, just to drive sure. home your point, Brady literally just said the other day in an interview he would give up two of his rings to be able to have beaten the Giants and get the undefeated season and win that ring. So technically only losing one ring, but he said he would sacrifice two of his rings to get that ring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. All right, with that, we can move on. Does anybody have anything else? No, I bet that Super Bowl big, and I won heavy, so I was I was a happy man. I knew it. I, I knew that giant team. They, you, that's always the key to getting to Brady, and it's always why he ends up being a champion, and it goes back and drives home the root point to bring it all full circle. You build from within because the only way you beat Brady is by getting pressure on him, by giving him no yeah. time to throw yeah. the ball, by getting in his face and putting him on the ground. He doesn't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> history has shown he doesn't like that he doesn't play well in those situations and that's what it takes but it's always hard because he always has a really good offensive line so it's it, it's always hard to get to him so it's it's you know the recipe but you can't you can't you can't beat it right i'm assuming you were still talking about brady i did get cut off right by a second but i agree Brady. yeah yeah all right does anybody have anything else they want to bring up Oh, that's it for me. All right. Eric, I mean, we could talk about you. I mean, we can talk about real quick, Bob Baffert. Anybody, isn't he like banned from the Preakness? Can't put any horses in? It's not the Preakness. It's not Belmont. Belmont, yes. Yeah, Belmont. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. he's he's got himself in some hot water. It seems like those charges might be sticking. So, not that we talk much horse racing here. But that, and I don't know, did, did, did anybody listen to me? Did anybody catch at least five minutes of hockey this week? I had a bad weekend. I didn't see anything. I had a bad weekend. Anyway, um, well, I mean, to go with the Bafford thing Steve, real quick. Any five minutes of hockey? No. I do. I I'm running around putting together a, a surprise birthday party for the girlfriend this Saturday. So the last two weeks have been insane. And All if right. they were, if they weren't, he'd still say it to get bonus points. So good job there, Dave. We know what you're there doing. There you go. I so see. You it. Subscribe to our show on iTunes. So very nice. Very nice. Um, to, to talk about the Bafford thing real quick though. And yeah, I don't pay attention to horse racing. Like I'm pretty sure that was probably the big thing that we left out in last week's show, even though none of us pay attention to stuff like the Kentucky Derby. It's crazy. Cause Bafford I, bet it. Is- I went down to the Meadowlands and bet it. Oh, did you? I did. I, you know, my mom always kind of likes horse racing me. Do you guys remember the Jerry Seinfeld bit where he was talking about horse racing? Yeah. Yeah. You guys remember? Yeah, that's how I feel about it. The horses have no idea what's going on. They just want their rope bag. They don't know why anybody's hitting them. Leave them alone. Listen, anyway, James, uh, it's the fastest two minutes in sports. So that's the beauty of it. You hmm. only need two minutes to watch it. It doesn't yeah. take up hours of your time. You can literally watch it like it's over in a flash. That's hmm. the beauty of it. Don't have to, to watch it. They put them in a the stable. They run around the track. It's over. Hmm. To go. Winner. To go to what I'm saying now, Baffert's like the most storied trainer in the history of horse racing. 
Well, and mainly is, because he's got seven tight. He's got seven. Uh, I mean, that's a good points. reason, though. That's a very good reason to be the most storied trainer in, in modern history in terms of horse racing. On that, yeah. So is this really a story when you're cheating too? Yeah, but from what I can tell, the drug they found in the horse's system isn't a performance enhancer, though. You know what I mean? So I don't really think it's cheating. Regardless, it's just is it banned? It's banned, but it's not banned for a performance enhancing reason. So I'm saying I don't know if cheating really I don't know if it's it's not like a Belichick Spygate thing or anything like that. You know what I mean? I can't put it up there. Can you? Yeah, why not? This is the Spygate of horse racing. This is, this is the biggest scandal to hit horse racing in the last, I don't know, my lifetime. I got to say the last 50 or 60 or 75 years. Dave, let me somebody got busted like this. Well, I mean, let's put it to Dave here, because, again, I'm saying it's not a performance enhancing drug. So therefore, I don't consider it a cheating thing. But, Dave, what do you think? I mean. It's hard to say, because I don't know enough about horse racing to be able to sit here and just be like, nah, it doesn't compare to Spiky. Like, what do I know? Maybe it does. Uh, What I will say is that it is kind of. It's one of those things where you just kind of think back to, like, to me personally with this. Like, I think back to growing up and just, like, how many of my sports heroes and the people I looked up to and respected, how many of them would have ended up turning out to be, like, cheaters or bad human beings because Mm. social media and sports networks and reporters and all that have, like, you know, it's completely different. So that, that's really kind of where a story like this, that's where my mind goes. It's like, I'm really thankful none of my the athletes I grew up with were ever exposed to as much scrutiny and, uh, you know, different eyeballs as these people are. Yeah. I was watching the um, 30 for 30 on uh, Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden a couple weeks ago. And to go to your point, it definitely makes a lot of sense. Like, could you imagine with the stuff they went through with all the drugs and everything, if they were doing it today with social media? I just always think back to the last dance with Dennis Rodman. <laughs> That's fair. I think they said it in that, right? Yeah, like he never would have been. Like they would, Chicago would have known where he was with it right as, as soon as he landed. They would have known. Yeah. Eric, what do you say? No, oh, I'm good. Oh. I, I agree with you guys for the most part. I mean, I think, you know, so I mean, I'm yeah. good on the topic. Fair enough. All right. I think the last thing we'll do, and we'll do this real quick, Eric, both our teams are getting hit with the injury bug. You guys got hit with a, with a, I know it was mostly your coaches, but you guys still got hit with the virus. <laughs> Thank you. What? Okay. Um, so you guys got hit with that. Torres is just coming off the COVID. Down goes Frazier. We lost him again, huh? He's not. Yeah, that happens. That's like the fourth or fifth time today. I believe it. He'll be mad when he comes back on too. But in the meantime, I know he's talking Yankees, talking injuries, talking things. Not too worried about the Yankees. They're actually playing pretty well right now. Uh, Cole's, you know, pitching well. People are playing, you know, all right. So I, I don't have a problem with where the Yankees are right now. So I get the gist of where Mike was probably trying to go, but I worry more about him and his Mets with his 13 injuries and everybody batting like crap. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I, kinda want, 
Yeah, yeah, it's real bad. So, yeah, no, I was just telling you, I knew you, I, I didn't, well, you got cut off somewhere when you were talking about the Yankees and Torres, so I just picked up where you left off and kept going. Um, but, yeah, you know, yeah, the Yankees are fine. They'll, they'll be all right. They have some injuries. They have some things going on, but for the most part, they're playing well, and, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll be okay, and they're, they're going to get better as the season goes. I, I just think your Mets are more of uh, the issue right now. And, again, I just keep pointing back to that show. I don't know if Cousin David's still in the chat. He's here. But he, uh, ever since he made that proclamation that the, <laughs> the Mets were going to finish with a better record than the Yankees, it ha- it has not looked as good. I know the Mets played better as of late, but then I think now are they back back down to a slide again? Well, sure. here's I'll here's the. You. I don't know if I'd call it a slide. They they were in the middle of a six game winning streak when we were talking last week, and then when we got off the air last week, I looked at the schedule. They were played the Rays this past weekend, and they're in the middle of a series with the Braves tonight. My thought was, oh, God, this will be the big test. And they got swept by the Rays this weekend. So that's not good. They did beat the Braves last night. They are winning against the Braves tonight. But like you said, when the injury bug strikes, it hits hard because now you got McNeil out. You got Conforto out. The depth pieces are dropping uh, Almora and Dave, I mentioned this to you earlier. Eric, you had sent the video of Almora running into the wall to make the catch that he dropped in a game that the Mets did wind up winning. So he's out. I'm sure you saw Kevin Pillar getting hit in the face with a ball last night. So he's out for a little while. Uh, DeGrom is supposed to be coming back this week. Stroman had his worst start of the season. Uh, did I really get cut off again? No, we're with you. Okay. All right. Um, Stroman had his worst start of the season on Sunday. Then last night, Taiwan Walker is pitching. He leaves the game after three innings with left uh, tightness in his left side. So it's, yeah, it's, it's dicey right now. Um, oh, cousin David, I am not justifying what you just put in the chat room. I'm not doing it because I tend to agree with Eric on that one. Um, Eric, if you can't see what he put in the chat, don't start laughing. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because every week we come on, I feel like this team is bipolar because I feel like one week I'm feeling decent about it. Next week, I'm ready to jump off a bridge. Next week, I'm back feeling decent about it. Eric, last week, you tried to stop me from giving the Met a comp- Mets a compliment, and look what fucking happens. So it's unreal. I mean, hopefully we'll get some of these guys back soon, but I'll tell you right now, um, Lindor, Smith, and Alonzo are like the last three left standing in that lineup. And the onus really is on those guys to produce. I know tonight it wasn't any of them who did something. Jonathan VR hit a home hit a home run. But I tell you, I tell you this, and Dave, I'm sorry to take up this much time with this, but I want to tell Eric this: when you guys were dealing with your injuries in 2018 and 2019, I believe it was, you guys were able to hit on all these depth pieces, whether it was Talkman or Mike Ford or Cameron Mabin, who the Mets just uh, acquired today. You guys hit on all these guys. Gio Urshela, who you guys picked up off the scrap heap, and he's been your starting third baseman for the last three seasons. The difference between a guy like Brody Van Wagenen and the front office the Mets have right now is that, thankfully, we're not seeing guys who don't belong in the major leagues on the Mets rosters. We're seeing guys who you know, may not have had the best track record, but it's guys like Pilar and VR who are former starters for teams. A guy like Jose Peraza, who started for a couple teams the last few years. You know, uh, Almora before he went down. Now you bring in Mabin. I'd like to think this depth can hold out a little bit, but what we've seen this last week, it's it's getting tested. What do you say? 
I agree. It's getting tested, and you got to see how now they react to that test. If they fold, it could be an early indication of, a, of a, another Met summer. If not, and they bounce back, they could be, you know, possibly fighting for a division or a wild card. So it really depends on on how they handle the adversity here with with you know so many players on on the uh, on the IL. So what do you got, Dave? Any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm give done. a shit about the Mets' 13, uh, 13 injuries? Uh, that's I a lot of injuries, that. though. Even you can admit that's a lot of injuries. Yeah, I touched on it with Mike. We were talking about the guy getting hit in the head with that pitch. That looked freaking brutal. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I shared my, my, my amount of Mets information and knowledge that I had for the day. Awesome. Well, then, uh, with that being said, I mean – I don't know what's really uh, new and exciting out there. Um, what's yeah. new in your world? Anything new? Anything good going on? Sorry. Sorry. All right. So we wrapped up that Matt conversation in a nice bow for you, Mike. Sounds and uh, good. we're kind of moving on to, to if anybody's got anything else they want to talk about. Oh, really? Asking how the lives are going. Oh, well, uh, life sucks. But anyway, um, the one thing I wanted to bring up here, I, I don't know what made me want to bring this up here. But, you know, I don't know how you guys have been with movies recently. I'm assuming we, we can go on to other things, right? Nobody's got anything else sports related. I got to be honest. The last movie I saw, me and Janice watched. I got her to watch with me, Godzilla versus Kong. Which, and I got to be honest, I fell asleep. Nice. It really it really was it was not, not that great. Did, so, you wind up, did you wind up watching the end of Mortal Kombat? Because I know Cousin Dave. No, I still haven't seen it. I'm 25 minutes in and haven't been able to catch the rest of that yet. I can't talk her into watching that with me. And I haven't had the chance to watch it by myself yet. Yeah. Dave, what about you? Yeah, I watched Mortal Kombat. It was as bad as I expected. But all in all, I still enjoyed watching a Mortal Kombat movie. There you go. There you go. Now, the thing I was going to bring up. And again, I don't know what made me want to bring this up here. You guys know what The Many Saints of Newark is? Nope. It's a movie. Uh, yes, I actually do know because I know somebody who is actually an extra in the movie. Oh, yeah? Um, so, yes. Uh, my buddy Alex, he is an extra in that movie. And yes, I do know what that is. It is the... That's the one that's going to be like the. It's like a prequel to uh, the Sopranos, right? That is correct. It's the Sopranos and, prequel. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the '60s, '70s Sopranos. I guess it goes through like the race riots and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm conflicted on this movie, and I've been conflicted on it for a while. Like, first of all, the idea of them making a movie of Sopranos after the way that last season ended. You guys know my feelings on that last season of Sopranos. Not a fan. Try to act like it don't happen. I always hated the idea that, oh, you left it open-ended. So if David Chase or James Gandolfini are ever broke, you guys got a cash cow in the bag. Okay, I see how this works. So I was conflicted off of that. Then Gan yes, then cashing in on that bag now. Yeah, David Chase. But um, after Gandolfini died and they said they were going to do it as a prequel, it's like, all right, that's the only way you can do it because you're not recasting Gandolfini as Sopranos. You're not, you're not, you're not doing that one. So you're going to do but it as a prequel. Aren't they using his kid? Aren't they using his kid instead? They're, which, they're is a very, which is a very nice thing, I think. Yes, they are using his son. Michael Gandolfini's playing a young Tony in this. But the thing that really... It gave me pause for concern even before the last year's life events 
you're setting it in the 60s and 70s during race riots. So, okay, we're using this as an excuse to make Italians look all racist and everything. Yes, that's exactly what I want to say. It's exactly what I want to see. That's the part that honest, bothers they me. They turned a lot of they turned a lot of the Falcon and the Winter Winter Soldier storyline into racial kind of lines too, though. Yeah, but Eric, you and me talked about it. That seemed more organic, and I think we both agreed that they a lot of those scenes were probably shot before the last year. Because no, I remember, yeah, using- but I think a lot of the story pivoted more towards that side of the storyline because I think. There was a lot of reshooting and a lot of story that had to be changed um, because of other global things going on that they were possibly mimicking in yeah, that but, show. But I want to reiterate, because you and me had a conversation, and I was under the impression you and me were under the same page. Yeah, all right, I'm not disputing what you're saying, but I personally felt like they did a good job of handling it on oh, that I'm show. Oh, I'm not saying that. And I, those- oh, that's that's where you're taking my criticism wrong is i'm not I'm not right, criticizing right. it. i'm just saying that they did that as well so i'm not saying that it could be the same here that maybe they find a way to do it well with the movie if you could find a way to do it well then there's not an issue with it the issue is, is if, if you don't do it well and then well, people come off looking one way or another you um, have to do it yeah you have to be good at what you do and you know Let's, let's well, is. Uh, again, I, think, I think they towed the line right with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I with there, it felt. Hey, let me let me say this real quick. With there, it felt like it could have taken place and been released in any time. It just happened to be released in this time where it was conducive to what, what was going. Thinks. Well, let me let me let me say what I was going to say about this first, and then then I want Dave's opinion on this too. I was conflicted about it. When we first heard about the idea in 2018, 2019, I believe they shot most of this before the pandemic and everything. So maybe they do what you're saying. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm conflicted about it. That's all. Dave, go ahead. I never watched Sopranos and I'll what movie, so I really don't care. You never right. watched The Sopranos? But to go to what we're talking about now, though, do you feel that Falcon and the Winter Soldier towed those lines the right way. Like, it did justice to the story and not necessarily push one narrative or another. Yeah, that I would definitely agree with. I thought they did. I thought they 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 rode the line pretty fine. But I think all in all, they did a decent job of staying neutral. Hmm. But I will say this. You got a very good cast in this movie. You got John Bernthal playing Johnny Boy Soprano, uh, Tony's father. You mentioned Gandolfini playing Tony. Here's another thing that makes me a little pause for concern. Billy Magnesium is playing Paulie Walnuts. Now, I don't know if you guys know him. He's been in a number of things. He's fine. I'm sorry. The idea that some... He's, he's, a de- he's a decent actor. I've seen him in a few things. The idea that someone is going to play a younger version of Tony Sirico and you're not Italian, that bothers me. That bothers me. I know a little bit about Tony Sirico's background. The fact that you... That's fucking horrible. That's fucking... That's, we're, we're in a time where, you know, actors shouldn't be playing in racial things. Kiss the fucking Italian in that role. I'm sorry fucking ridiculous and Corey Stahl is playing Junior Soprano that could be alright if you guys don't remember he was the bad guy in the first Ant-Man movie but he's alright Ray Liotta is going to be in it too he looks horrible but he's my mother's favorite actor no, so. sir, but what I want to talk about though Mike I, I fully I'm done I'm done I'm, I'm done much, no go ahead go ahead like, yeah yeah, yeah no go ahead say, I don't know if you guys happen to ca- catch or see 
But I just thought it was odd and slightly awkward that, like, M- the MTV Music Music Awards were on the other day. I watched, like, eight seconds of it, but the eight seconds I caught it apparently were, like, the end. And the one award that Catherine Hahn won, apparently she won for, like, Best Villain for for Agatha. And she the, the show won for Best Best Show. And I was like, I don't know. Do you guys think WandaVision was the best show on TV last year? I need to I know what the... That was a little bit awkward. I, I, need, was a weird. I need to know what the nominees were. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Like I said, I, I don't watch that usually. It, I just happened to be hoping ridiculousness was on. <laughs> and instead got caught with that for eight seconds before I could right. something else. Well, wait a minute here. I'm seeing the nominees right now. So for best show, it was WandaVision, The Boys, Briggerton, Cobra Kai, and Emily Paris. And I've heard a lot of great things about The Boys. I never saw it. Uh, Cobra Kai was better. Cobra Kai was better. That's what I would say. Dave, have you Dave. seen the boys? Uh, I would take the boys over WandaVision. All right. So you have seen the boys. Cause I've seen the boys too. So it's actually surprising to me. Mike hasn't seen the boys. I don't have Amazon. I gotta, uh, I gotta, I gotta get it. I just, I don't have Amazon. The boys are a good show. I, I, Dave, I, I think you'd agree with that. It's worth the watch. Mm. The, and the, boy, the boys, I mean, when, it, oh yeah. Now, Mike, I, if I, I wish I had an Amazon account to like give you the login to be able to watch it, but mm. I stole. I stole. Ironically enough, I stole the login and shit for a friend of mine named Mike as well. Oh, so. that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, the best villain choices were Catherine Hahn, Aya Cash from The Boys. She plays Stormfront in The Boys. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito in The Mandalorian. Nicholas Holt in The Great and Ewan McGregor from Birds of Prey. Catherine Hahn uh, wasn't really a villain. You Giancarlo Esposito from The Man yeah. yeah, I I'm kind of with you on that one, yeah. Dave, do you think the one from The Boys deserves it more? Compared to Catherine Hahn, yeah. Mm. Now, this well, is compared a, to Catherine Hahn, I would even say Stormfront evil. probably deserves it over, over mm. Agatha, but I mean... I don't know. Mm. This is an interesting one to me because right, I've seen all of these, but one, the boys again is in this. So Anthony Mackie won for best hero. The other choices were Gal Gadot, Pedro Pascal in the Mandalorian, Tiana Paris from WandaVision, which was nice that they threw her in. And then Jack Quaid from the boys. He plays Hughie Butcher. Campbell. Oh. Huh? oh, no, you said you said who? Jack Quaid, he plays Huey Campbell oh. in The Boys. Oh, Huey. I thought you were going to say Butcher. No. No. I would have Are you more surprised by that, Dave, that it would be Huey instead of Butcher? Yeah, because I really don't have a problem with Anthony Mackie winning it because I, I thought the way he portrayed that character and, you know, the way he handled everything. And not to mention when you saw his costume from Wakanda, like, I was like, that's some bad. That's badass. Too much man. white in the neck. Too much white in the neck. Oh my that's god! What he's, he's that's what he's nitpicking him. about, Dave. That's what he's nitpicking about. Really? <laughs> oh, all right. I, I'm done. If you guys want to keep talking TV, by all means, feel free. But I'm done. All right, we no, can no, end I'm, this. I'm, we can. Yeah. All, I think we're all. Yeah, good. we can. We can end this. We got we pretty sweaty end. there for a minute, so yeah. I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy. 
No, I, it's cool that you brought that up. I haven't I haven't paid attention to MTV award shows in a very long time. So that's cool. No, it was just some random. Up. I caught a couple seconds of it, thought it might be might be fun. So no, it's good to throw in at the end here. Always mm. good talking with you guys. You guys still haven't watched Cobra Kai yet, right? No. I have it no. on the list to watch, but I haven't watched yet. Dude, I watched like the first four episodes and I don't get the hype. I, I stopped watching. Serious? Oh wow. my god, was, I was bored out of my mind. The first season was really good. Some people say it's the best season of all three. Oh, wow. Then I'm not one of those who says that. You are lucky, sir. You are lucky. Wow, you guys. Wow, I I walked right into that one. I can't make make that judgment yet, but uh, we'll see how far I get into it. But that's interesting because... I I am I am very interested by that opinion, Dave, because I'm uh, I'm surprised. I am a little surprised. I haven't seen any episodes, so to hear you out four and, and let go, that's interesting. And especially being that I, I hear what Mike hears that the first season is the season most people consider the best season. That that says something. So yeah, I'm gonna say Cobra Kai probably de- definitely didn't deserve a show of the year. I'm gonna. I'm, I, I'm sorry, Mike. I watched four episodes. No, you didn't watch five. enough. I'm just. I'm just thinking right now. You got to watch at least the fifth episode. I just remember what happened in the. <laughs> no, I just. You guys are good. Yeah, ju- I, I will need to be extremely bored for me to go back to that show. The fifth. See, I just remember what happened at the end of the fifth episode. Now I'm telling you right now. You got to watch one more. Got to watch one more. Oh my God. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, not just making, I, I'll just say I'm not making you any promises I'm not just saying that either something big happens in that fifth episode that was really cool I liked it I was also the picked on kid in high school but anyway let's we can wrap this up all right this was a lot of fun tonight guys um I programming note we will not be coming on a Tuesday next week because I work with assholes um but we're probably going to be doing the show what Monday next week Monday I mean, Monday Monday works works, okay Monday, Monday's me. probably the only real day that would work for me. Yeah, I, I was. When Monday, you said, Mo- Monday would be the probably the best day of the week for myself as well. So we can make it Monday. Yeah, we're, we're going to be coming on Monday next week instead of Tuesday. Hopefully a whole it's a day little... earlier. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a whole weekend's worth of games. Talk about everything that happened Woo! over the weekend. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right, but that'll do it for us here tonight. Let's do some final thoughts. Dave Hastings. May the rest of the week be better than it started. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I think we can all cheers to that. Stay sweaty, my friend. And that was Eric Tressler. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us on all our podcasting networks, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, oh, Spotify. Uh, speaking of pod- podcasting forums, are we on uh, Odyssey yet? No, I had tried to sign us up to radio.com a couple times, and I never got a response back for them. I can try Odyssey again. But I've tried okay. Radio.com in the past. Okay. Um, yeah. Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for listening to us. I am Mike Aglioloro. That was Eric Tressler. And for Dave Hastings, thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week.